welcome to Breaking Bread. This is the show where we explore food through culture, conversations, and a whole lot of curiosity. I'm your host, Lo Yi Jun, a food writer and recipe developer from the Jun and Tonic blog. Every week on this show, we dive deep into an aspect of food in Malaysia, from speaking to chefs and restaurateurs about their restaurants, to exploring the origins of certain dishes, to geeking out over tasty discussions with food friends or experts. On this week's show, in light of the latest pandemic developments in Malaysia, I'm taking this opportunity to reach out and share about food businesses and organizations that are doing good and making a positive impact on our communities through food. With these tough times upon us, it's crucial that we all band together and provide help and aid to those in need around us, whether it's through food or beyond. So if you have the capacity to do so, I would urge you to get involved wherever you can. But anyway, for today's episode, we'll be hearing from two restaurateurs on the subject of food aid. These two restaurants have been stellar examples of restaurants who give back to their community. And they'll be sharing about what they've done and some of the challenges they've faced over the past few months. Our first guest on the show is Marcus Lau from Table and Apron Restaurant and Universal Bakehouse. He's been involved in food aid efforts since the inception of his restaurant. And after the break, we'll hear from Emlyn and Evelyn Yeo from The Butter Pantry Cafe in Ampang, in Ampang, who more recently started a food relief initiative that has gained quite a bit of traction and is doing real good for their community. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy today's episode. And if you're a F&B business owner, perhaps you'll glean some tips and advice through today's conversations. Welcome to the show, Marcus. Hey, good to be back, Ijun. Yeah, it's really good to have you back. Yeah, so just in case for those who haven't heard of uh, Table and Apron or Universal Bakehouse, um, give us a brief introduction to to who you are. Uh, great. Uh, Table and Apron is a neighborhood restaurant. We are based in Damansara Kim. We recently celebrated seven years uh, and we've uh, long established restaurant institution with a lot of our regulars uh, within the Klang Valley. And about two years ago, we opened a bakery that was just next door. Uh, it used to be a, a laundry service that serviced our laundry, our aprons, our linens, called Universal Laundry. And we took a very cheeky twist and called it Universal Bakehouse. So that's where we sell a lot of artisanal baked goods, uh, including our sourdough breads, uh, our scones, donuts. Um, and really, it's also with the same vibe of Table and Apron being a neighborhood bakery, but a lot more casual rather than a full-service restaurant. Mm. Oh, my God. congrats on your seven years. Ah, thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, so actually, our conversation today, the reason um, we brought you on is um, with, with this whole like Bandera Pute movement, more and more F&B businesses have gone into providing food aid, food relief, whether it's to their community or uh, even beyond that. Um, but before this whole pandemic, before all, all this, like, I guess, chaos happened, you with Table and Apron, you've done food aid and food relief uh, since like years ago, right? Yeah. Mm, yeah. Tell us how that all first started or, or when did you start doing these? Okay. Well, I think that's a great question. The first thing that came across my mind was about uh, what restaurants actually mean to its community. And 
when I was in, in North America, one of the things in the, in the restaurant industry there is that it's a very established network of how F&B and food relief is actually intertwined. Uh, and for those who do not know, if you, if you just look it up, uh, you can look at News for Wheels, you can look at No Kid Hungry, uh, all these really, really established uh, restaurants uh, have an element of uh, food relief, relief involved in whatever they were doing. And these restaurants weren't actually non-profit organizations. They were for-profit, yet they had this element that was integral to, uh, you know, impacting beyond their communities. And when, when obviously we started Table in 2014, we wanted to see what that actually meant for us. And one of the things we realized was that actually there's, there's no, no way where there was an organization or a system or ecosystem where restaurants could contribute to these food relief programs in a, a sustainable way. Uh, so our first foray into it was saying, okay, what can we do? There was those typical drives where we would you know, contribute X amount of food to a particular organization or we would bundle up maybe once in a year, we'll do something like that. And when we encountered uh, pit stop community or even um, shelter or dignity, we realized that there was a need for them then. We thought it would be good to send our teams there. Um, and the main reason why we thought it was important was also because as uh, cooks in our craft, it's important to know that you're not just cooking for the person paying your food. If you can find a more noble cause behind that, that gives you a better reason and better purpose of what you do. Especially in Malaysia, where uh, a predominant large section of our workforce is made up of foreign cooks. Mm. Um, and then you have a small mix of local cooks. It's important to still drive that message that I think is quite universal. Mm. Was this message one that you've driven like since day one of starting a restaurant? Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. Um, that's Because that, one of the things we, we speak about at Table and Apron is that we want to create better restaurant experiences. And, and I think you, you would be familiar with that mm. as well. And uh, we, we coined that and said, okay, who are the kind of stakeholders that can be impacted by these? And very naturally, uh, beyond the guests would come communities that need it the most. So we have done something similar like this before. Along that narrative, we, we coupled it with trying to work with pit stop in a few different ways. Uh, it was not a regular thing, but it was definitely something that we tried to program it in. Uh, but we, we also noticed some of the pitfalls and challenges with it, which, um, you know, throughout the MCO, I think a lot of F&B businesses who are actually assisting with donation drives down see as well. The pain point here being there's a, it's a huge logistical challenge. Uh, imagine yourself as an FFB operation and you want to do something on behalf of a community and you know that's good to do. Except you would have to, as a small independent place, it would mean taking a quarter of your team from the shift and going over to, say, do a food donation or a drive or even help cook food. Uh, it has to be done on uh, a day that the business is not open for. And... And then also taking care of all the logistics that comes with it. But it was essentially something that we, we felt was important enough 
to do. And sometimes these relationships extend beyond just food relief. Once you get to know the community leaders as well, there are different ways where we can impact the community. Um, take, for instance, when uh, we did something for Dignity in our 50th anniversary where we invited our regulars to come and try out our new menu. Uh, and this was a closed-door event. And every time they come, they, they, they have a choice of putting money in and all of that proceeds will go to Dignity. And at that point in time, also Dignity thought, hey, actually, we also have a social enterprise, which is EDEX. And um, I had the privilege of being invited over to um, share some of my experience with the guys over there as well. So it seemed like it could be an ecosystem, except it wasn't. It wasn't a structure. It's still very fragmented. Yeah, from the way you put it, it seems like you know you go into it um, without expectation for getting anything back for sure. But at the end of the day, there is you know some form of collaboration, or there is like a positive feedback loop there. Like you also. Mm-hmm gain a sense of whether it's like um oh a, a sense of more fulfillment or more, more purpose but there's also opportunities there that you wouldn't have have thought of before right oh absolutely you know it, it is important that in our work uh in in the industry in hospitality that a lot of the work we do is very repetitive so it's very important that we're grounded in our purpose uh and when we were doing some of these things then we realized actually because the industry is so fragmented, there must be more that we could do together. However, from my perspective as a restaurateur, our priority is to our business um, and making sure it's not compromised because unless we choose to be a social enterprise uh, or choose to be an NGO, then then uh, that model would have changed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So actually, since you started Tape and Apron until now, you've been involved in so many different food relief efforts, right? Like you mentioned Dignity with uh, Pit Stop Community Cafe. And even at the start of the pandemic, you did provide like meals for frontliners. And now you are part of the uh, pilot program for a food relief project, right? And out of all of these different um, initiatives that you're, you're a part of, what were some of the common challenges that you faced? Well, the, the main challenge we face with any food relief is logistics mm. uh, not necessary the preparation of food because we already have all the equipment the facilities uh, the manpower on site to do it uh, you have a purpose the team is ready to you know arm up and proceed and execute and then comes the part of logistics where it depending on what the food relief is designed at so uh in the first MCO, when we were sending food to frontliners, we had to rely on a group of dispatchers or drivers that were in the leisure and transport business, but lost their business because of the MCO. And they decided to assist food relief as well through logistics. But we had to manually WhatsApp each and every one of them. Are you available today at this time? Can you do that day? There was a lot of work on the restaurants and having to coordinate the logistics. So you would have a receiver, which would be an organization, someone you trust that would help with these programs. You would have the restaurants that were already built up and designed to cook food anyway. Uh, So you have this opportunity, except the gap was that you would have to find people and coordinate them in a sustainable way that could 
uh, make things a lot easier. However, the easiest would be, let's just hire our own drivers and send these out. But that would mean incurring costs to the business that is uh, not necessary. Uh, what is sort of for profit, if anything. Uh, so that became the major issue that we faced um, throughout our campaign. Right, right, right. And is this different from, you know, some of the US or Western initiatives that, that you mentioned in the beginning? Do the NGOs or the initiatives take charge of the logistical end of things? Um, yes and no. I think to a certain extent, it really depends also on whether the NGOs can think out of the box and how to allow donors to feed in, um, you know, say food relief. Let's not talk about money because the easiest way is actually by raising funds and donating money and then mm. trusting the organizations to do what is best for their communities with that money. Mm. But more often than not, especially during the MCO, uh, the pandemic points very much to the fact that people are actually more on a food relief issue. Uh, and if there's a direct way where restaurants can service that, I think that becomes an advantage, which is where you mentioned about food aid uh, foundation comes in and uh, we were recently approached by Zoe who is coordinating some of the efforts over there and she came up with a system that I thought was very familiar to what I had known except it didn't occur to me that that, that could be a way uh, to go about it and she spearheaded a way where food aid was able to create an ecosystem where they would use their own logistics to come and collect the food and I think the beauty of that is that now that looks like something that could be sustainable, where mm. the restaurants would literally just produce the food um, in a safe environment and, and then just get shipped out by them. Mm. And has your experience with uh, Food Aid Foundation been a lot easier and smoother compared to you know the past uh, food relief efforts that you've done? Oh, certainly. Um, because it, we, we would treat food aid as if they are a customer uh, in terms of the process of uh, preparing the food and pushing the order out. As compared to most other food relief programs that we've done before, you have to take care of your own logistics for your own team, right? Uh, and to, to ask um, the, the organization that we are donating to, to, hey, can you help us with logistics? Seems a bit too much to ask because we are driving the initiatives ourselves. So this was a fairly creative way with what Food Aid Foundation is doing that uh, helped me think, actually, could this be it for, for us? Uh, could this be it for the industry where we could get more F&B businesses participating in a way that is sustainable? Mm, yeah, it seems like such a simple switch, right? Like, oh, instead of the donors or, or the F&B businesses handling the logistics, the NGOs or the initiatives will take it on. And that is such a simple switch, but it changes a lot and, and it makes things a lot simpler for you guys as well. And uh, based on what you said, you feel like this is going to be the future or like a, a potential sustainable solution for the uh, food relief um, industry almost. I, I think so. Um because the, the fact of the matter is, is that the industry is currently quite fragmented as well. Uh, food relief, before the MCO especially, seen, is seen more as a uh, 
this is something we need to do. It's part of our CSR program. Yeah, yeah. Right? <laughs> but there are organizations out there that actually make uh, food relief or community service not so much a charity effort, but uh, a way of, uh, you know, sort of translating their own values as an organization. Mm. And I think this is whatever Food Aid Foundation has come up with. Is a, I, I believe is, is a good way forward to create that dialogue where F&B businesses can now realistically see, okay, this, this makes sense. And, you know, it doesn't require more effort for my part than what I'm actually already doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that's definitely like a, a good way forward. Mm. And just to end, like, do you have um, any words or, or words of advice for uh, two parties? I would say one for like restaurants uh, looking to get into um, doing more for their community, and also secondly to to organizations or initiatives out there. Like, do you have any wishes or hopes for for them in terms of solving your pain points? Right. Well, for the restaurants, I think uh, my aspiration for my own, and hopefully I can speak on behalf of the restaurants in the industry, is, you know, we, our existence is merely a conduit for good. Why? When people choose to buy food from our place and we serve them food and hopefully it's good, they will walk, walk out with a positive experience. Mm. The question is, can we leverage on that? especially in times like these when with the pandemic and what's going on in our country where there's a lot of uh, negativity surrounding us, restaurants are that beacon of hope. And we can leverage on that for whatever community we want to serve. Um, and especially when it's food, it doesn't directly need to be a food program. But to have that kind of dialogue and conversation is, is crucial to us developing a better um way forward in terms of our purpose. For organizations that are involved in initiatives uh, with, with food relief, I, I don't know what else they should do more of because whatever they are doing already is a great act of servitude. And if anything, it, it's both parties learning how to build an ecosystem where it can flourish. So I, I look forward to what will have been great, what will be great is, you know, the things that you're doing is having the kind of conversations that we need to have about how restaurants can be a bigger part of, you know, these food relief community. So I think that's a, that's a very important question. Yeah. And just to tie everything together, what is one inspirational moment or a situation where you felt a certain sense of like fulfillment or certain sense of pride based on the food relief or food aid efforts that you've done? Um, I think one of the virtues uh, that, that will make any restaurant great is having empathy and seeing it from people's perspectives. This is something that we try to do our best every day when guests come in and our job is to learn to serve them with genuine hospitality. That can't happen without empathy. So whenever we do food relief programs and we try and send our team, and most of the time, if, if I get an opportunity to go out, I get reminded about how, how grateful we should be of the position we are in. And then to see that a simple act of what we're doing as well can have such a profound impact on others, that kind of fuels us why we should do more for what we do. Mm. And when you see it in a different context, in a different community, 
whether it's going to a PPR flag and saying, hey, yeah, this package were, were part of a fundraising that was done by our own regulars who, who dine at our restaurant and who believe in what we were doing and to know that these things could be funneled to a community that really, really needed it um, has a really profound impact on our, our own purpose as restaurants. So I, I found that experience a, a great reminder of why I'm in here and why our teams are doing what they do every day. Mm, yeah, Marcus, I, I wish more restaurants out there had this culture of like giving or, or being a part of their community and having more empathy for, for their community as well. Yeah, and, and just want to thank you for what you're doing. Uh, and yeah, thanks for coming on to the show today. Great. Thank you very much for inviting me. Before we continue our conversation, we are going to take a quick break. Stay with us. You're listening to Breaking Bread on BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Breaking Bread. Let's pick up where we left off. We're talking about food aid and food relief this episode. And we've just heard from Marcus Lau from Table and Apron before the break. And now we'll be hearing from Emmeline and Evelyn Yo from The Butter Pantry about their food relief efforts. Hi, welcome onto the show. Hi June, thanks for having us on the show. So today's topic, uh, the reason you guys are here today is because you have started a uh, food relief program recently right over the past like mco tell us like how did that all begin um so we officially started on june 13th um providing food aid boxes to to families in need um initially we only provided hot meals um, and we only advertised via Instagram and the take-up rate was, was extremely low. So mm. um, there, there was quite a fair bit of food wastage. So we decided to pivot and we, pro- we, we are now providing boxes that provide food aid relief to, to these families. That make, these boxes contain rice, noodles, um, canned food, uh, fresh produce because we can get them at, at supplier price. So normally a form of protein, either eggs or a whole chicken. Um, and then um, root vegetables, onions, potatoes, uh, you know, uh, those sort of things. Um, so just essentially things that we can get at, at uh, a supplier rate plus um, the daily necessities of life. Right, right, right. So just to clarify, before this, you were saying that uh, when you advertised on Instagram, it was all like ready meals. Yeah, so it it was hot meals, meals, hot Mm -hmm. cooked meals, but then the take-up rate was low. So we decided to change our approach and we started providing this, this um, boxes instead that people can use to cook, you know. Yeah. So these boxes are meant to last them for at least one to two weeks, depending on their family size. Mm. And and who are you providing these boxes to? So initially, when we first started, um, we used to look for families with white flags around the Ampang area via the Kita Jaga Co app. So we used to do outbound delivery. So we would text them personally and ask them like, oh, you know, hey, do you need uh, 
a food aid box and we would normally send the food aid box to their address and normally if they have special needs like say if they have like infant children or they have like children that need like a certain a particular brand of milk powder they also tell us or if they have elderly in the family and they need like adult diapers when when we approach them they'll tell us oh look we also need th- these items so we would provide all these uh, items on top of the regular food aid box that we give the, and then the case count, the COVID case count started getting higher. So we stopped all outbound deliveries. And now if people were to ask us for help, we would um, encourage them to pick up from the cafe. Mm. And in terms of like the funding, uh, are you doing any like funding drive or, or is all the funding coming out from your own pockets? It's quite a story because um, when we first started uh, providing free free hot meals to to the needy families around Ampang, um, my friend from Singapore actually texted me and said like, oh, you know, hey, like I, I really want to be part of this, but I, I don't know how to go about doing it. I only know how to raise funds. So um, I said, oh, yeah, sure. Let's do something together. You know, we can work out something together. And then she transferred like a lump sum of money to me. And I felt that, oh, you know, I told my sister that like, Oh, you know, now like we're accountable to other people's money because before that it was just our own, mm. and you know, I, I didn't want to, I didn't want people to think that, oh, you know, we're just doing nothing with that amount of money. So we started fundraising among like friends, family, customers. Um, actually, my mom has been like extremely supportive. She's like, yeah, our mom has been going around, uh, because we're from All Star. She's been like telling her friends, um, my dad's patients, and then like, yeah, all these like aunties have actually uh, contributed quite a bit as well. Um, so yeah, we're really, we're really grateful for like all the support, like even for like customers, I really reached out and it was just like, oh, how, what can we do to help? Um, mm, so yeah. Yeah, I think this, I, I guess it's like a bit of a silver lining that this pandemic or like the recent like one, two months a silver lining that has come out of it is we see all these efforts, not just by our peers in the industry, but throughout the whole country as well with the whole like Bandera Pute movement. Um, people are really like helping each other out a lot. Um, but another thing as well that, I, that I've been thinking of with regard to the uh, the service industry in particular is, you know, all these food aid, uh, food relief efforts, um, it's very hard to make it like sustainable for the long term, right? Because um, just just speaking to some industry friends as well, they they were talking about how a lot of the times when as restaurateurs, as like cooks or chefs, even like you, the thing that you know how to do is to cook, right? But then when you are involved in all these like food aid, food relief efforts, like you have to go and do things that are not like in your skill set, like you know, uh, organizing like logistics. Um, liaising with like all the different players in it and getting all these like uh, fundraising uh, efforts going yeah just wondering like for for the two of you like what are some of the biggest challenges uh, you faced as well to be honest they're not really like huge challenges but um because one of the things that we're trying to do um, when packing these food boxes is to upcycle uh, used cardboard boxes. So we've actually been going around uh, the neighborhood, like grocers and shops, um, asking for these boxes. But surprisingly, um, we were met with like some resistance, which I thought was really strange. Like it's just cardboard boxes. Um, <laughs> but I think like some people, they just... Um, 
they just don't really like understand you know this whole thing uh like who is it for and like who we're helping you know um so yeah like some, some like we have been uh condemned about like certain things but then like at the end of the day like we we still want to help people um so yeah so we just keep doing our best we just try we try to explain because like this whole thing is also um an educational process right like not everyone is aware of it and and since we we are in it like ourselves like we're doing everything like it's also uh part of our duty to like explain to people like you know this is how it goes and this is what mm-hmm. we're trying to do and just thinking from a business side of things as well like how are you balancing you know your day-to-day business at the butter pantry with your food relief uh, project here um, so our busy time is usually lunchtime. So we'll only start the food relief uh, after lunch. But then mm. in the morning, we'll start like contacting people, etc. Um, so yeah, like it's honestly quite okay because um, in the afternoon, it's a bit of a loud period anyway. And, um, you know, doing this sort of like gets our staff moving, like they get to do something <laughs> as well, like that they're proud of. And mm. yeah. It's not too mm, and, bad, lah. Mm-hmm. And do you see this as a you know long term or even like medium term uh, project for you guys? With the amount we've raised so far, <laughs> it's it's not gonna end anytime soon. Um, but like we do, we do hope to always continue to give back to uh the community around us. Like to be honest, we've um we've been open in mco longer than we've been open during like normal times and i feel like as a new business like we're honestly like incredibly blessed because like we're not exactly like struggling in that sense you know like a lot of the ampang community has like supported us and stuff like that so we 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 hope to give back to the community in a similar way so like we hope like you know after this uh blows over like we like besides balancing uh, everyday operations, we still want to find a way to give back to um, those that are in need around us. Mm, you, you said with the amount you have right now, do you mind sharing some numbers or like the amount of funding that you've received? Yeah, We aim to give out about 30, 30 food aid boxes a day. Um, our food aid box, as I mentioned earlier, contains uh, quite a fair bit of stuff. It is, it's, non, it's good to feed a family of... I would say four to six for about one and a half to two weeks. Oh, wow. Um, mm. So the cost of our food aid box is about 65 to 75 ringgit because we include like uh, a whole packet of Milo, a whole kilo of Milo actually, um, a whole chicken, uh, 30 eggs, and then uh, instant noodles, uh, dried bihun, biscuits, just essentially things that uh, are easily favoured by um, people of all ages. Um, so so far, we have raised about twenty five thousand six hundred ringgit. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, that's that's really really impressive, especially for a homegrown or like ad hoc project like this. Yeah. That you've just come out like you know just a month or two ago. Yeah, for for a neighborhood cafe with, yeah, basically like the only people who are really like promoting this is us. And yeah. our customers. And this excludes like the essential food donations that we get from customers and suppliers as well. So this is just cash. Right. Yep. So so 
to be fair, all our suppliers have been incredibly supportive. Our customers mm-hmm. as well, you know, just people that like, uh, just want to help, um, in in a different way. So we we definitely encourage that. If say you want to support your local egg supplier, mm. um, you can buy eggs and get them sent to to, to us. To us, and then we we will we will distribute them for you in in a timely manner. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm. Yeah, that this all sounds like really, really promising. And in the upcoming months, like, do you intend to keep like fundraising and, and keep this going? Do you have anything planned in terms of uh, getting more funds? So um, we, we are in the talks with uh, Tribe Boxing Studio and Moncure to have like a little um, box fundraising session. Um, but I'm still in the talks with the owner to see how we can iron details out because besides fundraising, he also wants his staff, um, his entire studio to be involved with, with giving back to the community as well. So, so we just like ironing the little details out. And But we'll keep you posted and uh, we will update on, on both our social media pages as well. Because right now, um, distributing about 30 to 35 boxes a day is, I would say, it's stretching our limit just with the amount of stuff I have in store. Because, like I said earlier, we do everything ourselves. We we don't we don't accept any volunteering help at the moment just because the the case counts is a bit on the high side. So we hope to continue that momentum once once dine-ins are allowed. But you know, it 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 definitely will 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 be a little bit of a struggle on our end. Mm, uh, yeah. Just our, our cafe right now has turned into a storeroom, essentially. <laughs> like there's just like a boxes of supplies lined up. Yeah, like, like all around. We the have some area. regular customers who uh, come in and order food and just want to like sit there for a bit. And even he's like, um, "Where's my spot?" So we have to direct <laughs> him to another corner. It's like on this bag of rice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Right. Yeah. And so where can, uh, yeah, for those who are interested, whether it's, you know, to to donate funds or to help out in, in terms of like providing necessities, uh, where can they find you and where can they contact you? They can DM us on Instagram. So it's at the Butter Pantry KL. Um, and then, or they can, I don't know, call us. They can just Google mm. us and they can call us. Um, we're located in... Koreatown Ampang, so where all the Korean restaurants are opposite Ampang Point and we're mm-hmm. right above uh, Hanwuri restaurant. Cool, cool. Yeah. And just to end uh, on, I guess, like a touching or like inspirational note, in the past month or in the past one and a half months that you've been running this, what has been like the most inspirational or, or heartwarming moment that uh, you've experienced? Um... I think for me is when we first started doing the food aid and when we had to deliver to these houses and you could actually see um, the condition of these houses that these people were staying in. Um, And like most of them have like really young children. Some of them are still like pregnant mothers. And, you know, you can just tell that they are like really, really grateful. Um, Some of them are even like tearing like or like the children... Um, when they see you bring something, they're just so happy and just come like running to the gate. Um, like for me, that was definitely like one of the the mo- one of the moments that really like uh, validated what we're doing. Mm. Um, for oh, me, because okay. we we help quite a fair bit of uh, undocumented migrants, so um, these people are mainly um, 
office cleaners or like shopping mall toilet cleaners that you know they they can't work just because um of the pandemic so we we help quite a fair bit of them and and to be fair it's hard for them to to get aid anywhere else just because they don't have the the legal documents too and most of them are also illiterate so in order to request aid from like a, a government body or like a registered NGO there are quite a fair bit of forms that you need to fill up so we we don't we don't require that what we need is just a name and a phone number so it's, it's much easier for for these people to 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 you know at least have some food just to tide over the next few weeks mm, yeah props to you for you know looking out for all these uh, marginalized communities and yeah all the best with uh, what you're doing for the upcoming weeks and months thank you thanks june thanks, thanks so for much, having june. us That is all for this week's show. To listen to more episodes, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, or on the BFM app. And as I shared in the intro, in the coming weeks, I'm using this show to highlight food businesses and organizations around town that are making a positive impact in their community. If you know of an organization or someone you'd like to hear on the show, feel free to reach out to us. But meanwhile, I hope all of you have been doing well and eating okay. This is Jun signing off. You've been listening to Breaking Bread on BFM 89. Point nine.